Hello, everybody. Uh, Steve Edelman here, and welcome to today's episode of the TCOYD podcast. And today's is a going to be a really interesting day to talk to uh, a parent of a kid that was just diagnosed with type one diabetes. John Mardikian, please introduce yourself. Hi, Steve. I'm uh, John Mardikian, and I've got. Uh I have two kids. They're five-and-a-half-year-old twins, and uh, one of them was diagnosed when she was uh, three-and-a-half with type 1. Yeah, just a little over uh, 18 months ago. And I met John uh, and uh, your wife here at the office when they were soon after that she was diagnosed and and have sort of lived through this journey you've been on uh, from becoming a lot more educated and finding the best therapy for Cece. And Cece's brother's name is George. So tell us a little bit about how your life was the week before she was diagnosed and what happened that brought you to the hospital or to the attention of a physician. Sure. So we had uh, three-and-a-half-year-old twins. So life was hectic and busy and frantic, and we were in the throes of... COVID protocols, so we had a pod and a teacher and with other kids, and uh, things were, were busy. And I, I, I wouldn't say that we necessarily saw a lot of consistent, sustained symptoms leading up to her getting sick, uh, but we went into a Easter weekend uh, two years ago, and... Uh, we went out to a family home out in the desert, and we did all the normal Easter egg hunts. And Cece was just unusually lethargic in the afternoons, and it was hot. It was 100 degrees in the desert, and you would hand her a bottle of water, and she would drink the whole bottle of water and then drink another one. And, you know, she's a 30-pound child drinking 24 ounces of water at a clip and then wetting the bed endlessly and all those things over the course of that weekend— so on Monday, we decided to take her into the pediatrician. I, I had assumed it was just a bladder infection or something, some kind of virus or something like that going on. And uh, we went into our regular pediatrician's office, and the nurse came in, and they weigh her, and they take her height and all the normal things they do, and then came in with the blood meter uh, just because they said, oh, she's been peeing a lot. And they poked her finger, and the nurse immediately walked out of the room without, without saying anything. Without saying without anything. Without saying anything. And I, I knew. I, I knew that something was wrong. And the doctor came in, you know, right away and did one of those hands on the shoulder thing uh, and told me to get in the car and head down to the children's hospital and probably not to stop anywhere on my way and that she would call. So so we did that. And, uh, you know, we, we went through that exciting adventure of uh, spending time uh, learning about diabetes in the hospital. We were lucky she wasn't actually in DKA. So, um, you know, we sat in the emergency room till about midnight. And then... Uh, How many hours were you sitting in the emergency room? Six or seven. With, with CC right there with you? With CC there with us. And uh, I had taken her alone to the, uh, to the pediatrician's office. And then I, I called and my wife obviously, you know, packed a bag and came down immediately. Um, so what, uh, what was... The, how long was CC in the hospital? I think we were there for three nights. And and then you were discharged and and so how did how did that go? The three days in the hospital and then you had to learn everything you needed to do to take care of her when she left the hospital. And you know, in addition to what 
your experience was, maybe you can add in some things that you may have uh, advocated for differently at that time. Um, so, you know, it's a whirlwind of a, an experience to be newly diagnosed, especially newly diagnosed with such a young child. Um, the three days in the hospital were really focused on teaching us stuff, teaching us about, you know, how to manage diet, how to cover uh, insulin, how to give shots, how to, you know, measure doses, how to count roughly ballpark carbs. Uh, that's what it was really about. There was very little care that she needed um, medically, you know, other than getting started on insulin. Um, so the focus was really back-to-back appointments with nutritionists and social workers and all the doctors and all the pieces that go along with that. And, you know, we were lucky to get diagnosed at this point in time when, you know, the first morning they came in and clipped a Dexcom on her. And uh, I don't think we've ever gone without one for yeah. other than the two hour warm up. Well, know. I was going to ask you, did, you know, did they put her on a continuous glucose monitor and yeah, she, they spared her the, you know, 10 finger sticks a day, those tiny little fingers. And I, I think there's still the majority of hospitals in the United States do not do that. They just start telling people to prick their fingers and things like that. So did you feel, um, they discharged you. Did you feel ready to take her home after three days only? I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think we, we were certainly ready to go home. Um, I, I don't think we knew what we were in store for. I, uh, I, you know, the the pain and hurt and frustration and general brokenness you feel when your child is changed forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never ending. You know, there were there were so many times that my wife and I would find each other just shattered in different places around, around the house. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really hard place to be as a parent and it's a really, uh, frightening and scary, uh, situation to be in. And, uh, you know, my heart goes out to everybody who's going through it now, but, um, it gets quieter. And if I, if I had, I have a list of things that, you know, I've talked to with other newly diagnosed parents and, you know, there are things like you're heading home from the hospital with this huge box of stuff, m- of stuff. you know, meters and strips and uh, ketone strips and, gosh, uh, you know, Dexcoms and different types of insulin and uh, different gauges of needles and different, all the doohickeys and bips and bops. And with a child, I don't, you know, it's not realistic to think that a 30-day supply that's written for an adult is enough. So if you're going home with three or even one Dexcom sensor and your child weighs 30 pounds, the odds of that staying on them for 10 days is not realistic. And here's your newly diagnosed child and you don't have a backup. It's now two in the morning and it's come off them. So, uh, you know, there's some things you can do and think about to get ahead where you, you know, you got to start building up some backstock of, of you, the you pieces you use, you but you wouldn't know that. You wouldn't, you, wouldn't, know that. you wouldn't know that unless another diabetic parent tapped you on the shoulder and said, Hey, if you need something at two in the morning, this is our address. Come on, come over. Well, um, so. John, you told me that when they discharged you to home, they basically had a follow-up appointment in a month and to get, and they gave you a phone number to call to ask for questions. And, you know, I was questioning, you know, how good that, 
support system was. Right. So if I, if I remember correctly, they, they sent us home with this, what I believe they call it a sliding scale. And it's sort of just like a set amount of, they sent our home on Lantus, NPH, and Humalog. And they send you home with the sliding scale where you take, I don't remember the numbers, but it was like, you know, five units of Lantus in the morning, and you take two units of Humalog, and then you take some big slug of NPH. And the next time you take any insulin is some Humalog and Lantus at dinner time. And it's a total nightmare. I mean, it was, you know, and they're telling you to eat, you know, eat 25 carbs for breakfast, eat, you know, 40 carbs at lunch, eat, you know, 20 carbs uh, for snack. And you're just dealing with unpredictable, crazy highs and lows and the honeymoon nightmare phase where, you know, our daughter's body was periodically firing back up and, you know, mm-hmm. producing insulin and going low all day and night. And, uh, and then you're backing off and calling in two or three times a day to speak to the doctor on call, uh, talking to the nursing staff, you know, just the constant adjustments of it all. Uh, and being newly diagnosed, you have no idea what lever does what. Yeah. So you don't know what's causing the lows. You don't really know what's causing the highs. You can't, you know, and it takes, you know, it takes a lot of experimenting to, to get comfortable with, you know, changing a dose yourself. Yeah, and, and um, scary too. Um, and Cece, being only three years old, may not express exactly how she's feeling, uh, you know, where it was a clear-cut high or a clear-cut low. Now, John, do you, I know I've referred several parents to you with newly diagnosed kids and you've helped others. Um, is, is there any system where that you know of where if you, uh, you, they could have sent you and spoke to a support group or another, a couple other parents who have been through that? Because I think you've been very helpful to these newly, I'd say, new couples of kids with type 1. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that part of our issue was we, were, we did this in the middle of COVID. So it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a time when we necessarily had access to a lot of in-person community, with the exception of you who were willing to come and sit down with us. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, it's a community, and we need each other. There's no, no one else understands what it is to manage a child with diabetes like someone else who's managing a child with diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fears and anxieties and the pressures and, you know, the, the amount of time I, my wife and I spend sitting outside of gymnastics or ballet or soccer practice or whatever activity she may be doing, tennis, uh, when other parents can drop them off. Right. Like watching. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're more knowledgeable now. But talk about the way that um, – well, I want to first ask, how did George do through this whole thing? <laughs> Little George is sitting there seeing his sister – you know, go to the hospital, and he's not getting much attention. And uh, how'd that go? Yeah, it was you know, it was certainly hard for for George because you know we were both both my wife and I were pretty tired and exhausted and emotionally spent. Um, he is exceedingly grateful not to have diabetes, but um, how has been, he how has he verbalized it? Uh, geez, how does he verbalize it? He talks about uh, the things that CC has to do. You know, we don't hide anything ever about, you know, having diabetes and the things we have to do about it. So, you know, he's very much aware of what, you know, finger pokes are and, you know, changing pumps and sensors and, you know, what that means. And uh, he's actually very supportive. And, you know, CC likes a big group hug 
with uh, new sensors and uh, pumps. So, <laughs> so he gets in on that. So you know, he know, he know he knows it's something that he doesn't want, but he's also very loving and caring of his sister. <laughs> yeah, he's he's cute. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you and your wife? What what did what did that do to your relationship? I mean, I'm sure in some ways stronger, in other ways just uh, very difficult to spend quality time with each other. Yeah, it is really. Um, it's it can be really really hard, you know. Uh, there's very little space for us to spend quality time together when we're not, especially early on. Things are better now uh, when, we're, when we weren't exhausted uh, and there was no one else that could care for our child. Yep. Um, one of us had to be on 24-7. Um, she would take most of the days. I would take most of the nights. Um, so it was very taxing and emotional and you're roller coastering and you're dealing with all this pain of of what does this mean for our child and where does this go and what, you know, things have changed forever in, in one minute. And, uh, will, will George get it? Will George, yeah, sure. Will George get it? Should we start poking his finger now? What can we do? What can we, you know, what are our options around, you know, testing him, uh, to see if there's something we can intervene on. And you told me his, his, his diabetes antibodies were negative. Negative. Yeah. Well, that's, um, you know, tell us what you do to, help safeguard CC, like um, we have the Dexcom Share app, and some of our listeners may not even know what it is, so we can explain it, but also the Sugar Pixel. Um, So yeah, and you know, because I know you have a whole system, and how you deal with her going to preschool, and how you do things remotely, it's pretty amazing, and I think it made life a lot easier for parents if they knew these kind of systems are available right now. Yeah, so uh, obviously CC is on a Dexcom, and Dexcom, she has a uh, a phone. She has an iPhone that uh, she wears in a fanny pack, typically under her clothes, just so it doesn't get knocked around. And uh, so that's stuck to her all the time, although it just has to be in Bluetooth range, so it can just be in the same room as her or, or close by. And then she uh, has an Omnipod Dash pump, and uh, we are currently looping. Um, we wanted to be on some kind of a hybrid closed-loop system, uh, especially with all the hormones and things like that that go on with kids. And looping certainly isn't for everybody, but for us it's been exceedingly successful as far as our ability to to follow her because it has a, sort of a uh, an overview you can see from, I can see from my phone that shows me insulin on board, where she's going, you know, when her last meal was, what her last bolus was, every adjustment it's made. Uh, and then on top of that, you can also uh, remotely change overrides and enter carbs and, and bolus remotely from... I didn't know you can do that. You, you can you, do it. It's, uh, you, you, you have to get some help to set it up. I'm not a, I'm not a software engineer, but, but they're out there. And uh, So basically, she's at preschool. Her blood sugar is really high. You can give her a little bolus. You can give her yeah. correction if, if, yeah, if she I, needs it. We typically don't because you know loop will typically catch her. She'll go higher than I would think, but it prevents me from rage bolusing. <laughs> yeah, and and I mentioned the sugar pixel. Um, that's something that I bought. I haven't set up yet, but it works through the internet Wi-Fi, and it, you know because uh, Dexcom will only go to two devices, and typically your iPhone and you know whatever uh, uh, smartwatch, but. Yeah, it goes through Wi-Fi, and it looks like a little uh, 
radio clock with the blood sugar and trend arrow. I saw pictures of it. Yeah. I have one. I haven't set it's, it up yet. It's the best. I mean, it's it's like the size of a little nightstand clock radio, and it displays her blood sugar, the arrow, and then ours is set up so it shows the last change in her blood sugar, plus or minus however much that was. And in the middle of the night, it's a lot better than fumbling for my phone and knocking it off its charger and trying to unlock it. And you can have as many as you want, right? And it, and it sets off the most horrendously loud oh, alerts shit. and alarms have been turned on that there is no way you're going to sleep through the way I have occasionally slept through lying on top of my phone's alarm. <laughs> Do they go to the... You have to set those alerts and alarms? Or they? Yeah, you can set them. You can I set see. them. So you, can turn, you can definitely turn them off. Well, tell us what else, John. You're, you've been now uh, 18 months and uh, George is negative for the antibodies and CC obviously is doing well. Um I know that you were pretty excited about trying to get CC on this uh, new medication that may be approved by the FDA in November yep. of this year, 2022, called tablizumab. And you know, th- would you would you put your child through that kind of therapy um, to prevent or delay the onset of type one? Let's say George becomes positive but no symptoms yet. He would be a perfect candidate for it. Yeah, my understanding of teplizumab is that it's an infusion, um, and it's actually a 14, that, correct? It's like a 14... 14-day 14 14 infusion, infusion of like three hours a day. Yeah. That's it. Which, which is, you know, is a lot to think about for a three-year-old. Um, but the alternative, meaning that you could delay the onset of type 1 by several years At and least, get that child up to an age or a body mass that is easier to navigate, absolutely, let, in, a let, heart, in a heartbeat. Yeah, and all these other advances that are coming up pretty quickly these days. You know, so I think that's important. The, um, you know, where you're at now, you're pretty comfortable. I know you st- you guys still put a lot of time and effort in it. And what what kind of recommendations would you give parents listening now of what to do if their kid comes down with type 1? I mean, you, you, you've got to get connected with another family that's lived with it. There is, there is no better resource in the world than someone else that's been through it. Uh, and we're a community. We're really here. I mean, I, my phone rings at 2 in the morning. I answer it. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, we all I take called care you tonight. You didn't answer. Well, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> you have a different ringtone, Steve. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's nobody that can give you better advice. And you also have to, you, you have to follow what you're comfortable with. If you're really, you know, if you need the doctor to tell you how to treat this, then that's, that's what you need. If you get to the point that you feel comfortable making your own decisions about treatment and what works best for you and your child, then you should experiment on that side. I, I, uh, I, I really believe in, in, health equity and access for everybody as far as the technology goes and the opportunities go to be unpumped, especially with the new hybrid systems that are, you know, popping up everywhere. Uh, I, I, I find a hard, I'd find a hard case not to put a child on a pump sooner than later um, versus me chasing my daughter around with syringes and vials and alcohol wipes and, and you know, given how, how often and frequently she ate it as a three-year-old, you know, she would need 10 to 15 shots a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what, we, you just reminded me, we really talk about how CeCe's handling type one. Um, 
I mean, I, I get the feeling she's doing pretty well. And she's got great parents, obviously, and a supportive brother. But that's that's a lot to, to go through when you're three years old. Maybe it's better than when you're a teenager. <laughs> um, oh, we'll still be managing it when she's a teenager. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, uh, she handles it really well. She, ha- she has the most pleasant temperament. Um, and she hangs with it. You know, she'll put up with all the pump changes in the middle of the night and the glucose tabs and the juice boxes and, and all the highs and lows that go along with it. But we work, you know, my wife and I work really hard to have it not be something that she carries. You know, today, today there's nothing that she can do about her care. You know, she's five. We, we manage it for her. Um, so we don't hang her up on you're sure. high, you're low, you're this, you're that. I mean, numbers are just numbers, and we, you know, we try and have have grace ab- around them and for ourselves, so we don't, you know, drive ourselves nuts chasing, you know, chasing highs and lows all day long. It, it's be- it's a way of life for her now. Totally, yeah, and and it always will be. They'll, they'll, she's going to spend plenty of years managing this twenty four hours a day. So if if I can protect her from having to deal with it today. That's what we're doing. Yeah, and I think when when it comes down to picking a physician, um, we did a podcast that uh, it, it, I'm not sure by the time our listeners are listening to this podcast, it's already on, but it should be up in December of 2022. Uh, Monsi Jammin, and I, you don't know her. Uh, she's a pediatric endocrinologist from Boston. She joined a local biotech company, and I asked you to watch it, and you said she was awesome. And I think what kind of qualities... Would, would you love to have in a pediatric endocrinologist that helps you bring your your kid into the world of diabetes? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you really have to have the right, uh, you have to jive with them. And uh, you have to have the right banter with them and you have to have the, the right communication that they're bringing you uh, opportunities and options around care. They're talking to you about what what's new and next and available, uh, where your successes are. They know how to go and read through your Dexcom history. They know how to go and, and read through, you know, your loop settings. They, you know, they you, you need somebody that's extremely familiar with whatever treatment therapy you choose to pursue, and uh, and that's not always the case, but you know they're out there. Yeah, because I know that. Having CC on this looping hybrid closed loop system, which is not an officially FDA approved system, you know, you might get pushback from some doctors that are quite frankly stuck in the mud and not willing to listen to other options. So I think I think that's a good point. Well, I tell you what, uh, John, one one of these days in the not so distant future, I'd love to have George and CC on a podcast. Oh, they love that. We'll, we'll get it all set up. We'll ask questions. I think it would be the funniest thing. And years ago, I did. A thing, uh, kids with diabetes say the kids with diabetes say the funniest, say the sweetest things, <laughs> and we didn't have good filming quality. And Eric wasn't with us, uh, although it was awesome experience. So um, it was the day when you know Bill Cosby had that show with kids. Kids say the darndest things, and I did it for kids with diabetes, and I did it in three groups: kids that were Cece's age. And that was the funniest group ever. And I'll just tell you one story since it's right after Halloween. Um, uh, the parents were watching with a one-way mirror <clears throat> and soundproof. And uh, I, I asked the kids, I said, do any of you guys cheat 
on candy. She goes, oh, yeah, I got this big bowl upstairs. My parents don't know where it is. And then the parents were laughing so loud it went through the soundproof wall. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was cute. Well, listen, John, thanks for, thanks for joining us today and uh, sharing your experiences with us yeah thank you. you know steve i'm so grateful for uh all the work that you guys do and uh all the content you share and you know you've, you've been an incredible resource for our family and i know for so many others as we uh you know we navigate how to lead a wonderful normal happy life while also managing our diabetes appreciate that very much all right thanks john thanks steve